0: This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design works on an enormous and diverse range of interesting problems. So as product designer Keon Lavi, what's his biggest challenge with designing for Facebook? And here's what he said.
1: The biggest challenge with designing for Facebook is understanding the multitude of ways that people will use your products and your tools. And you're designing products for the entire world. You can't just think of yourself and your friends and how you guys would use them. You have to start... Really being empathetic for different cultures, different countries, different languages, and different types of people.
0: Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, Project 202 is looking for a senior experience researcher in Seattle, Washington. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the RevisionPath job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I just wanted to let you know that we just launched a brand new advice column on Revision Path. It's called Ask Saida. Now, Saida is a longtime friend to the show. You might remember her from episode 27, and she's a designer and entrepreneur. Now, many of you write into the show, you write to me, you write just to Revision Path in general, and you have questions, which sometimes I get to, sometimes I don't, because I'm just busy, unfortunately. Um, But now we have Saida, and Saida is here to respond to your questions about career choices, business advice, design, and much more. Her first column is up on the blog right now. I'll link to it in the show notes. So if you have questions for Saida, send them to her at asksaida at provisionpath.com. Saida is spelled S-I-E-D-A-H, and we may answer your questions in a future column. Now let's talk about our sponsors, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Whether it's beautiful digital art, handy tools to help you do your work, or a site for your project or cause, you'll find things on Glitch that remind us that the web can still be a fun, creative place full of unexpected surprises. Get started today at Glitch.com. Google Design is a cooperative effort led by designers, writers, and developers at Google. They work across teams to publish original content, produce great events, and foster creative and educational partnerships that advance design and technology. For more information on news, design resources, and their design podcasts, check them out at design.google. MailChimp is the world's leading marketing platform for small businesses. Millions of people and businesses around the world trust MailChimp to publish the right content to the right person at the right place at the right time. Build your brand, sell more stuff, find your people, and tell the world your story. Sign up for a free account today and give it a try. MailChimp. Send better email. Now for this week's interview, we're talking to creative director Ida Michael. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do.
1: My name is Ida Um Right now I'm a creative director at Everytown. I define myself as a graphic designer overall, of course, just how a designer plugs into various roles as an art director, creative director, a creative person in general is how I view myself.
0: Talk to me about the work that you're doing at at Everytown. I don't know if people that are listening might be familiar with, oh, with yeah. what Everytown okay.
1: is. Um, well, I'm a creative director at Everytown for Gun Safety. Um, unfortunately, but fortunately, people are probably recognizing that organization's name more because gun violence is an issue affecting our world more and more lately. So, I'm the creative director there, which means I figure out how our vision, how our voice, how our tone, how our look and feel plugs into all of the assets that you're seeing online and printed. So how does how does the brand reflect on email? How does it reflect on social media and even more particularly on Facebook for Instagram? Like what is the audience in those channels and how are we reaching them and what does it need to sound and look like?
0: I would imagine given the increased awareness about gun safety, of course, you know, unfortunately we've heard about it because of school shootings and mass shootings, et cetera. How difficult of a job is that to kind of get that across in a way that doesn't sound too partisan?
1: I actually feel like it doesn't sound too partisan at all, because it's really about safety. And I think it's something that literally every person can relate to. We all go to school. You can already imagine just on that level. Of course, school shootings is one thing. There's, There's many areas that we discuss but even if you just just discuss school shootings you can imagine being in an, in that environment and now having it disrupted with the idea or thought that you're no longer safe there that's something that i personally can't imagine
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i remember when i was a young kid in school just how safe how safe that environment was to me and it's it's just super unfortunate that that's now how kids have to think about this but also i would i'd like to say that one thing that every town does really well is there are a lot of researchers and lawyers who are really good at knowing all of the state laws that go into gun laws. So how they dissect them, how we present them to our audience is also something that I get to work on, you know, and in in change, that that helps people also understand what's happening locally in their own community.
0: Okay, that's good to know. So you sort of have that data that you can back it up with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah c- for sure.
0: Because I can only imagine on Facebook or on Twitter or something, there's always going to be somebody that has to interject with their own kind of opinion on on what it is. But the law is the law.
1: Yeah, the law is the law. There's numbers that back it up, that show what's happening. And it's it's just helpful, too, for dialogue and awareness.
0: So what is a typical day like for you?
1: So some of my past is that I did work on Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign, but I'd say some of just the the way we got through our days there is still very much a part of how I get through my days at Everytown. So it starts with, we do a 10 a.m. check-in with a creative team, which is right now there's a group of four of us, including myself. We talk about just our priorities of the day and we just kind of delve into our day and work with different teams. So what it might mean is that we're working on a graphic for an email or we 're working on a graphic for social media, or we 're meeting with the research team to understand all the great data they 've sent us, but to also dissect it in a, dissect it in a way that we can say okay well what 's actually kind of the meat of this data here, and what 's the takeaway If somebody was just glancing at this really quick, what can they grab from this?" So really mostly that, of course, you know, checking out everything that the the team is working on, but just making sure that we're also telling the same story across the line, across channels. That's really mostly the day to day. And then, of of course, there are days when things happen that are unfortunate in our world. And it's also important that we're able to quickly switch gears and understand what we want to say about what's happening around gun violence if something unfortunate does happen on a day when we're at work.
0: Are there any sort of, I guess, particular initiatives that every town is working on right now? I mean, of course, I know gun safety is kind of the overarching goal of the organization, but are there specific things that you all are, are doing right now? I don't
1: know. Say more about that question. I'm not sure I'm totally getting
0: it. I guess I'm thinking like like specific campaigns. So, for example, you know, we've heard mm-hmm. a lot about the, the kids at Stoneman Douglas High School yeah. in Parkland, and we know that they have now kind of went out and become activists in and of themselves. Yeah. Are there like certain campaigns that you're doing around particular events that have happened or maybe in certain states or,
1: yeah. or is it, well, is it actually,
0: truly every town that you're kind of kind of uh, yeah. working with?
1: I mean, it. the truth is uh, gun violence does affect every town, every, every state, everybody in America. But one of the more exciting things that I, that we're working on right now is how to activate students. So yes, as you mentioned, after the shooting in Parkland, just there were a lot of student activists that were suddenly brought into this movement. They have great voices. I believe that they'll push us forward and towards better days. That's a big initiative right now. How do we activate the students and help them? Keep going forward.
0: Now you mentioned just briefly about working for the Hillary for America campaign. So I'd like to spend some time on that. First of all, how did you first get involved with that?
1: How did I get involved? Well, it's an interesting story. I got a call from a former colleague who was about to embark on working on the campaign himself, and he goes, he goes, Ida, hi, how are you? You know, it's an email. Like, hope life is treating you well. Would you be interested in doing this? And he was like, let's talk. So I call him up. I was super naive about this. And he he mentioned, Ida, we're thinking about this. This is the role, X, Y, Z. It wasn't actually completely a design role, but I asked him about that. But the kind of funniest thing about this conversation was my question, which was, So how much of a time commitment is this? I'm like, is this a part-time thing? Is it like a few days a week? And he (laughs) laughed at me and he was like, this is long hours. You know, this is like all of your time. But anyway, I said, yes, I was the second designer that was on the campaign. Soon after our creative director joined and after that we were a team of six designers, through most of the campaign. And then once we got to the general election, it was 16 of us. So like literally at the the very end, there were 16 of us. So wow. that's kind of the short story of how it all happened.
0: I'm so curious to know, cause I've worked, I mean, I've worked like smaller, much, much smaller campaigns, like mayoral campaigns, et cetera. Uh-huh. But can you sort of, I guess, let the audience know, like give them a sense of these hours. Cause I don't think people really realize yeah how pervasive campaign work as a designer really is.
1: Yeah. See, I, well, I, I also want to say that even though I'll explain this, I still would do it again and I still encourage other people to do it. Um, but let's see Monday through Friday, we were working 10 AM to anywhere from seven to eight, p.m. I mean, sometimes you'd need to stay a little later if you had some things to take care of. And then there were certain times within the campaign that we were working weekends. So we'd usually work those same hours on Saturday. And Sunday was a little bit of a shorter day. But in general, every day of the week, pretty much you were on. But I mean, what a better way to spend your time, in my opinion, as a designer, just kind of pushing the world forward. Yeah. Doing good work. I think it's worth it.
0: And I mean, I think aside from just the stamina that you need to be able to, to keep up with that schedule, it's also the volume of design work. I mean, it's not just a little graphic here, a little graphic there. You're probably Mm -hmm. working dozens, if not hundreds of different iterations of certain designs for different cities and groups and municipalities and all this, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's true. But One thing that our creative director was really good, her name is Jennifer Kind, and she was very good at kind of being clear when she came on. She was like, all right, guys, we are going to focus on what you're good at. She's like, no time for new stuff, no time for learning new things. Like, if you're good at this thing, like stay in that realm. So like, for example, I was very good with project management and organization. So that was one of my roles. So I had to make sure our our entire design team was organized. We set up a project management system and just a way to work and have, have our morning meetings. But I also was working with our finance team who was putting on fundraising events. So designing collateral for their events and their invitations that would go online, as well as like you mentioned, how do you design for state? So I was also leading state design. But really with that, it was like, how do you figure out how to design for one state, but then make it a system so you can, you know, apply that to all of the states, but still have it custom because all that like state rallying support is important and you do want that personalization. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, for other designers on the team too, you know, some folks were focused on designing for email or designing for social media or designing for the website. So like we were hyper-focused so that we could kind of design with clarity Quickness, But we also were really able to pitch in and help each other. The overarching brand and tone was something we were all very educated on. And, you know, we, we discussed, I think, monthly. So there wasn't an issue with any of us working collaboratively, but we still had to stay hyper-focused just to, like, kind of push through all of the work.
0: Were you also designing in other languages, too?
1: At times, yes. Yes, definitely at times. And of course, that's, that's when we also relied on our colleagues too. like if somebody was from a certain country, we, we always wanted to make sure like, what is the best way to speak to the audience? Like you are this audience, you know, what is not just the correct way, but just I think even the politically correct way, you know, there's a yeah. lot of ways that, th- that things you can say can go wrong. So in some way too, like though a lot of us were there, uh, with a a particular job on the campaign, you still kind of show up as needing to represent yourself, you know, which, which was definitely a hard thing for me. So it's like, okay, I'm here, not just as a designer, I'm here as a woman, I'm here as a black woman. Mm -hmm. Um, also as like a first generation immigrant, like, or, you know, or my parents immigrated, I'm first generation, but it's like, What are all of these things that make up who I am as an American? And actually, you know, how do I make sure that the work we're doing here also speaks to that audience? And there's going to be moments when they need to hear from you and your particular perspective and your identity to to help that.
0: Was there like a particular design challenge or 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 problem that happened during the campaign that you all helped? Well, that you specifically, I guess, helped solve.
1: Every day was a challenge. But uh, but I mean, I don't know. Tell me something in particular. Now, I don't know if like the memories have faded in terms of the challenges. You know, I only remember um, just the one big painful moment and then the other beautiful things. But like, I don't know. Maybe ask that question another way. I'm not sure that I'm totally like thinking of something.
0: Okay. So like, okay, so I'll give you an example. When I worked on the mayoral campaign, sort of like you're saying, you have these really long hours when stuff just just happens you know sometimes Mm -hmm. i think one of the biggest things we would run into is that things would happen in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. and then that means we'd often have to like get back into the office at like 3 a.m to make sure that something is together so we can push it out by 8 a.m because the candidate is giving an appearance and wants to be able to talk about it right away instead of waiting for the team to kind of
1: package something you know what i mean yeah, I got you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just like overarching kind of just like the idea of rapid response. What do you do when something in the world changes or something and maybe a policy position changes? And how do you kind of spring into action? But like, as I mentioned, our team was very, um, we were very organized and strategic. So we were very well prepared for what to do in those moments. And I think the I think the big one of the biggest kind of like takeaways for working on a campaign it is how how can you be flexible when something in the world changes. That's like kind of the name of the game. Like every day something is happening, and how is your candidate now responding to that? And now how does that affect your your daily workflow? So yes, rapid response was just kind of the method we'd we would always use for that. But that's still I think something that relates to my work in a progressive organization even now. You know, mm-hmm.
0: so. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, when the news happens, it happens. And so you have to be Mm -hmm. able to really react quickly um, in order to to kind of get things done. Now, one thing that I saw as I was going through and doing research about you, I was looking at your website and I saw that uh, you developed the famous tagline for the campaign. I'm with her.
1: Yeah. How did that all come about? All right, I'll tell you this story. So I mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that we would work with uh, or like as designers, were like kind of hyper focused on different areas, like one person design merchandise, one person design email ads, etc. So at this time, this was still I think when we were the team of, of three, it was myself, Meg Vasquez, and then our creative director, Jennifer. So like, it was just a team of three of us at this point. This was very, very early on. So that means that kind of idea that I was talking about, like we're very hyper-focused, you know, that was still a little gray. It's not enough of us. But I had to, I was working with our email team. They asked us to create stickers for an email promotion they would do. And they wanted wanted our supporters to vote on three different stickers, whichever one won, they would receive. So I had to first started by designing stickers and really just sketching them you know like we would do this great just like competitor kind of research like okay what was bernie sanders campaign doing at that time what were other republicans doing at that time so we'd look at everything what are, what does their social media look like what does their merchandise look like and from that you you know you could get some pretty clear takeaways like one of the things that i learned in that process is we didn't have anything in our merchandise for hillary that was reflective of the Election year, so something that said twenty sixteen or sixteen. So one of my sketches I had was Hillary, but turning the second L and then the A into sixteen. So something that could kind of like play mm-hmm. into this yearly support. You know, that was one I think fun idea that came out of that. But also just like I'm with her was came out of that. So the, these are just like sketches and ideas and riffing. And the brief was. Actually, there was no creative brief. And just the ask was like, three stickers. They'll go on email. So it was like really fun to be creative. But, you know, I think as designers, the, the stuff that sticks with us is perhaps the things that are more unique and memorable. I mean, she was the only woman running at that time or, you know, on the Democratic side. So like that was something we were really excited to test, you know, so I'm with her was one of them. And that was like, you know, I think along with Team Hillary or Team H for three different stickers, we tested and fast forward to the Jefferson Jackson dinner and the supporters were chanting, I'm with her. But keep in mind that this first began as an email campaign, you know, and we knew I'm with her one is a sticker, but we didn't really know how the outside was starting to receive this. But Mm -hmm. when people start chanting that it was unreal and it was pretty amazing, but it became really kind of the way that supporters would show support for her. So it was great. It kind of, it became their voice. They adopted it. it. It was awesome that it stuck.
0: That's amazing that all that came out of just an email campaign
1: right? And a sticker, the and power sticker. of design,
0: okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that the campaign is over, we're now in this current administration. What did you learn from the campaign? Like when you really look back at your experience there, what do you feel like you learned from it?
1: Well, I think that's been one of my most favorite experiences to date. But what do I learned from it? How to be a more strategic thinker, how to Think quicker, too, about how to react or approach something in terms of design. I mean, just how to be a stronger leader. You know, you, you work quick, fast, but you are also given such big responsibility, like a design team of like six, I think, for the majority of the time and then to 16. And to think about the work that was not that was functioning across the entire United States out of 16 people is a. Yeah. Uh, is a great amount of responsibility, but also just like a great challenge and and privilege. So I mean, huge responsibility is one thing I learned, but also how to deal with that and become a great leader with all of that.
0: It's amazing how once it all is kind of said and done, and you're able to sort of settle back into kind of a regular life. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just just looking (laughs) back at that time and realizing how much I don't know there's a certain level of beauty in that amount of chaos that can come with working on campaigns like that, I I feel like.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I agree with that.
0: So let's go back before the campaign, you know, before you uh, were in the position to get started with all that. You did agency work for a good amount of time. Is that right?
1: I did. Yeah. So. When I first started out, my first design job was at a design studio called HCDG. They're based in the DC area, which is where I grew up as well as in New York. They had opened an office. I ended up working in both offices. I was probably there between 5 or 6 years, but I really loved that place. So like I had a few internships as a college student and what I learned about that myself in those moments was that I liked working on all types of things. You know, it wasn't like I only want to design logos or I only want to design type. Not that, that those jobs are truly many, but I was, I love the varied work. I love the different types of clients. I'd love the different types of deliverables. So working in a design studio was a no brainer for me. HZDG offered that. Mm-hmm. So when I was there, you know, one day I could be working on logos the next day, annual reports, so many things. And through that, I began to just kind of learn more about myself. Like I started out as a college student studying design, thinking that one day I'm going to go work at MTV. Like MTV is really cool and great, but like my life had other plans or just like things worked out differently. When I was at HCDG, I fell in love with just like the nonprofit work. I was working on an annual report and like some of the photography was beautiful for one client, you know, and I was working on Let's see the Chesapeake Bay Trust, which is actually about the license plates that Marylanders can use, but that the money goes towards the Chesapeake the Chesapeake Bay, excuse me. So, like that kind of work and realizing even though the impact may seem smaller, the project may seem smaller, maybe even not that sexy. Like license plates aren't that sexy, but like actually a lot of the work that came out of it, I personally thought was really beautiful, and I loved doing that type of work. So that just further propelled me into figuring out after my time there that I would try to go into the nonprofit space or just like kind of design for good and figure out what that was like. So, so that's where I ended up as a result of that job. But I also think that what I loved about that job is that I did dabble in a lot of different types of design work, which I think became so important to go on what I needed once I went in house.
0: So what was it like kind of transitioning? I mean, From this agency life where you kind of got the zeal for doing nonprofit work, you then went from there to nonprofit to politics. How was that transition?
1: Well, I would say, so I was at the Clinton Foundation for a while, and that was my first nonprofit job or really in-house job. So I would just say in-house, you know, the resources are completely different. The priorities are different. Like I'm at a design studio where like design is king, you know, and now I'm at a nonprofit where design is like, one of many things, And design was also in the marketing department. So no, mm. you design is not king anymore. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you are not even like on the, the main radar. But you, you know, you're important to the work, but you're not the thing. So I think the biggest transition there was, wow, it was a big challenge. I would say probably the first couple years there, it was a major shift, I think, realizing, I think the amount of responsibility and sometimes not even always having the Design resources. So, like, if I needed an opinion on design, who was I going to? You know, I was likely working with somebody who was maybe a writer, or I needed to chat out a project. So that was just like one thing. You know, you don't even have, uh, I guess, your, your design community that you would have in a design studio in this environment. Also, just like resources. Like, I was not only responsible now for designing; I also had to figure out how we're going to print it, how to do production on the files. This is not stuff I. I was doing it my first job, you know, mm-hmm. so like literally from beginning to end, how do I get this thing done? And also just like, even how do I know the right people to communicate with this to, to get this project done? How do I even manage the project? So many things, but I really believe that having to just kind of roll up my sleeves and figure it all out made me much stronger.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know what it's like when you work with nonprofits. I mean, their main thing is that they want, of course, bring in money. I don't know if they really kind of see the importance of design. They know it's important, but it's, I don't know. It's sort of like a means to an end in a way, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, this is great. Yeah. If it makes us more money.
1: Yeah. You, you think know? so? You think it's about the money? I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, the non-profits maybe I- I've
0: worked with, they definitely did about the money. I mean, it's not <laughs> it's for profit. So they got to do something.
1: The- yeah. Well, no, it's definitely about the money, but I think it's also like how, how are you communicating to your audience? So like if you're designing an annual report, what, How are you telling them all the things that you've accomplished in the last year? Which, again, yes, which should encourage them to contribute, again, to your organization. But I think that, you know, that's part of the equation.
0: Okay. One thing that I'm getting from, you know, from talking with you and and you being in these different kind of design situations that you've really been able to take on and overcome any sort of challenges that might be a bit scary creatively. I mean, you know, one working with, you know, not enough resources and two working on like such a big, fast moving campaign. Is there anything now that scares you creatively after kind of over, you know, uh, I guess, overtaking those big challenges?
1: Anything that scares me creative? Of course. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I know exactly how to answer that. Well, I think there's always, you know, there's this just desire to do good work. You know, I feel fortunate that I am able to contribute my creativity and my skills in an organization. I think that matters. I feel glad that I'm able to do that. But I guess the challenges. Well, yeah, I guess I guess the scary things or challenges now sometimes are like making sure the tone is right or making sure this is maybe a project is inclusive. Are we talking about all the things? Because now it's not even just like, oh, make it look good and sound good. But it's like, are there even parts of myself that I see in this thing that we've created that I need to speak up about maybe why why this could be wrong or maybe why should we should talk about this in a different way or even understand why we're talking about something in a way that it's presented Gosh, I feel like that's being so abstract, but I think it's just back to say, like when I was on the campaign, like sometimes you need to bring a lot of yourself to these jobs too. Like, okay, you are black, you are a woman, you know, you're first generation. What does that mean? And also like when it comes to anything I'm working on now, I'm black, I'm a woman, you know, all these things. How does this affect what, what we're putting out there about gun violence, et cetera, you know?
0: yeah so, it's, so. it's more about I guess kind of putting more of your identity into the work well not, exactly. not just not just as you know I guess the end result but also kind of as a filter to make sure that you know yeah. like to say and the tone is right and everything like that if you don't want to and put something out and it offends people that's not what you want as you're hopefully yeah. not as the end result.
1: Yeah. And I, I'd say that is actually scarier, you know, to me, of course, like you, just like doing good work and making sure things are just like beautiful and well thought out is, is always going to be scary, but not in a scary, like, oh my gosh, this could go wrong. Scary, just like in a challenging way, you know, challenges, challenges, design challenges are fun, but to, you know, make sure you've not dismissed any particular group or um, subject in your work, I think is the bigger challenge. And now that you're designing for, or I'm designing organizations where that is I think hypersensitive and just like more closely looked at. Like I'm one of the people who I think need to say something, but I also think that's an environment where everybody should say something, but it also goes back to, you know, I think office culture and getting to that point where you can have those conversations and you should, because the stakes are pretty high,
0: you know? Yeah. What advice would you give for any designers that might want to start, I guess, getting into some of these quote unquote design for good type of not necessarily about every town, but you know, there's so many things that are going on in the world right now. I certainly talk with a lot of designers and they feel some of the ones that talk to me, tell me that they feel hopeless. Like Hmm. they'll see things that are going on in the world and they don't feel like that they can do anything as a product designer or a graphic designer or or something. Do you have any advice that you would give them if they want to get started with kind of trying to make a change through design?
1: Yeah, I think making a change through design. See, that's always, I think, the hard thing. I think doing research about organizations that are doing work you care about is uh, one level. Let's see, being involved where there are moments where design can be added. Like a big example, of course, is you think about things like the Women's March or March for Our Lives. Those are moments where I think you know, designers have the opportunity to actually share a lot of their work and their vision, you know, like handing out buttons or posters at one of those could probably be feel really great. You also feel like you're, you're helping spread your voice and your message with the community. Cause I think so many times we're kind of like designing in our, you know, in front of our computer and maybe with like a small team or by yourself. So mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. having, I think on that simple level, that's one way. But I guess the the thing to think about anytime a designer is making something is like, actually, what's it going to make somebody else do? And like, not a designer, but like the community. So like, if you design this thing for social media, now what are you going to, now are they going to vote? Or what are they going to do? Is it just for awareness? I think that, I think kind of the intent or the kind of result that can happen because of something that's creative is important to think about. And that's, that's, uh maybe a place that could help a designer focus on, on how to create something too. Cause I think there's no shortage of designers wanting to create something that has a strong message or, you know, aligns with their beliefs, but like actually how, think about how you can help change somebody's behavior with what you're making and like, Oh, okay. And that, that might be like more of the like stronger place to focus.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. You know, trying to see where, your design I guess skill can sort of fit into the current conversation whether it's mm-hmm. you know and it can even be on like the local level you know whether it's even something as simple sure. as you know helping to make flyers or something anything that you feel like I guess if your design can make that impact is what's yeah. is really what's key. Yeah
1: and I mean I guess that when I think about it this probably relates when I was I think starting out in my design career I loved doing design work for organizations or my community so I was part of a group of youth for train youth so I'm I'm originally from Eritrea but you know I used to help them we'd have annual conferences and I would create the kind of conference agenda and guidelines and things for the screen it's again how do you lend your expertise to uh, a cause you care about there's opportunities
0: Oh, I totally, totally think there's opportunities out there. I mean, I think, God, there's one group I'm trying to remember the name. I think it's like the designers. I think it's Designers Guild of Justice or something like that. Oh, um, where familiar. it's like a group of designers. I think they're mostly based in the Bay Area, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But they try to help do things towards certain causes, if political causes, civic causes, uh, etc. I want to say they're on Facebook.
1: I, I think. I think. Yeah,
0: I think you just search for like Designers Guild. For justice or something. But yeah, there's definitely cool. groups that are out there doing it. And I would even wager that depending on where you're located, you could probably even just start up something yourself, just like get on Twitter and talk to people and see, you know, what it is that you want to do. You know, there's a lot of different causes out there. And I think many of them could use some touch of design as much as yeah. I think people kind of rag on designed experiences around government and things like that. And I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that you have to do government type stuff, but these types of issues could always use some type of design just to make sure that the message is getting put forth a lot clearer. I
1: agree. It's yeah. not, it is not an area that, is, that design is touched on very much, you know? Uh, so yes, I do think, <laughs> well, <laughs> I no, would argue it, need, it could use it.
0: It, yeah, it could maybe yeah. almost need it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was something you were saying earlier about how you were um, kind of doing like this work that wasn't sexy, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes, particularly for younger designers or for designers that haven't had a lot of experience in the field, they tend to get attracted to like these sort of big sexy type of projects, but not the types mm-hmm. of design projects that really impact our everyday lives, the unsexy stuff. Like I think I had a yeah. guy on um maybe a few months ago who does UX for an insurance company. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's probably not the sexiest job, but I mean, to be able to control the user experience so people can sign up for insurance, you know, easier and get coverage. I mean, it's an important thing. So it 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 might not not be something that is, you know, that'll get you oohs and ahs at the design conference, but (laughs) you're making a difference in some way. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me about your teaching right now. You're teaching at NYU. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I just wrapped up a semester of teaching at NYU. I think the thing that was unique for, the group of students that, that I was teaching was that they actually were not design majors. They might have been design minors or kind of um, studying various creative, having uh, creative majors, but not uh, doing design in particular. So I was teaching a class and I was really unsure of what, what each student's just kind of innate ability would be. And like also like thinking about when I started or when I was in college and just like the idea of having a class that teaches some of the software versus not and kind of like how, I mean, my personal belief is no, I don't don't want to be in a class where you're trying to teach me the software. I want you to teach me how to think about this work or how to approach the work, you know, Mm -hmm. just something else because you can learn the applications on your own or in doing. So that's more or less what we did. We demoed a, a few things together in the class within the applications, but mostly it was about pushing different ideas and learnings and in how to make them see design just like in their environment. Like for example, one uh, project was redesigning signage. And obviously there is no shortage of signage in New York City. So taking a sign of a place they've seen and how they can make it better. So like, you know, having them form, I think their own perspective and opinions on what makes the work stronger, thinking about hierarchy, color, you know, all those types of things. But the thing that was so great was it was a class I would go to at the end of the day after I'd finished work. And I would just find myself so re-energized, you know, it's just like a different kind of design energy and just so much curiosity and, and fun. But I was also just really impressed with how much of, I think the software wasn't as much of a barrier to doing great work as I thought it might be because I was hmm. very unfamiliar with how much they would know the design apps you know and I never wanted it to be a barrier to them creating good work but man the projects were awesome the the just tone of the class was great so it was it was wonderful
0: what kind of uh, projects were they doing
1: so they did like a signage project they did a logo well overall it was it was actually about typography the class was so it was teaching them a bit of type history, as well as creating projects that could get them informed about type. So looking at uh, logo design, uh, signage, at the end, they had to create their own type poster. So, so those types of things.
0: Nice, nice. When you look back at that course, what did your students teach you?
1: Wow, they taught me, they taught me a lot, I think about myself, like, well, I think it's just such a different perspective. I had not been around students for a long time, but I think on the last day of class, for example, I had a chance to sit down with each of them for, I think, about 10 minutes. And I wanted to learn about them and more about them because I learned about them throughout the semester. But just really to to actually welcome feedback from them, how they felt the class went, what could have been better. And I think the thing was that, the thing that they, they taught me about myself was that, Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. But I, I think the thing that I took away from them was that, you know, like they enjoyed the class, which felt so great to know. But also they gave me great feedback on ways that we can make collaboration happen even more within the class. They told me about what projects really kind of spoke to them, all types of things. But also they really talked to me just about like their life at school and even just like their career prospects. You know, I I found that some of them felt challenged about doing or or taking on just kind of like this creative lifestyle, this journey, this, you know, as a major. And the thing was that I brought maybe three other former colleagues to talk to them. And I was like, listen, look at me, look at these other creative people who have made a career. I was like, we all have different stories to how we've gotten here, but I want you to know like any of us can do it. You can do it too. Mm -hmm. And I also think some of those stories were just kind of like rooted in being you know, child of immigrant parents. Maybe sometimes there is some nervousness about if your child is going to go into a creative path and if they're going to make money and all that types of stuff. But I was like, hey, I'm an example. Like you will be a-okay. If this is what you want to do, you will be okay. If this is not what you want to do, don't do it. But like, if this is what you want to do and you're willing to commit to it, go for it. So I think that was part of it. And even just for me growing up as a kid, Well, I went into design or I wanted to be an artist at first. I would love like drawing little Garfield cartoons. I had this this little cartoon book and my mom would hang up my drawings. And my sister, I have a twin sister actually, and she went into the education field. So like two paths that I guess like offhand, nobody would say, oh my God, money makers. But it it didn't matter. (laughs) And I, I would say me and my sister have... We've done well. We've made our our family proud. So that's all I could ask for. And, you know, I think really it was just because of support from my mother. I didn't have anyone that I had seen that looked like me that was doing what I wanted to do. But, you know, my mom's support is what got me there, you know. But I also hope now more and more students, young designers will see me or or others and say, oh, I see myself in them. I can do this, too. We need more of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where do you kind of see design going into the future? I feel like you have a really unique vantage point, particularly from, I guess, a nonprofit slash political angle, but that coupled with, you know, the work that you've done as an agency designer and even your teaching now, where do you see design going into the future?
1: I don't completely know, but I will say, I actually want to speak to a little bit of fear. So okay. like one, one year, like before I went to do the campaign, I was at a company called Infor who does business software and I was designing there maybe for eight or nine months, but I was doing kind of on their, their brand team doing branding design. But I ended up really being, after I left the nonprofit world for a bit, I was actually kind of scared and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be a dinosaur. I need to get a tech job go look up something in Silicon Alley. I had to say that because that's kind of funny, but that's like New York, (laughs) that's New York, Silicon Valley. So, you know, I I had this great job at this, this company, but I really got that job because, I mean, part of me was scared I was going to be extinct and, Mm. you know, not completely, but just like, okay, you know, my skills were maybe not fully focused in product design or design for web. So what was I doing to kind of round out my, my work, my portfolio, my experience? But I think getting the call to kind of just like be pulled back into the work that I was doing or maybe even supposed to be doing was refreshing because, of course, you know, me reacting to fear is fine. I think we all have those moments, but it was kind of reaffirming to kind of be pulled back into like nonprofit campaign world and kind of realize like that's my home and I don't need to worry about designing for product design or designing for web. Like I actually think your skills as a designer can be interpreted in in all of these realms, you know, just like in all types of deliverables for all types of mediums. So I think acting on that fear, but also being okay with going back to what I was maybe more used to or comfortable with was was fine, because those present its own challenges in itself. But where design is going, I'm not sure. I think there's so much happening. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question.
0: (laughs) No, I, I think you really touched on something very interesting there about, you know, kind of focusing on on your strengths mm-hmm. and like focusing on the things that you're good at, because there are so many things that are happening now with the confluence of design and technology where it feels like we always have to keep up with whatever uh-huh. the next latest thing is. And it, it can feel easy to sort of get get left behind. Like, for example, we talk about design tools. Now, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to like... Cause goosebumps for a lot of people that are listening, but like I'm a Windows designer, I've been on Windows forever, and mm-hmm. I would say within the past five years or so, I've seen a lot of the design tools shift more towards a Mac only environment. Yeah, like Sketch, for sure. and I mean, they're, well, Sketch. What's the other one? Envision just came out with their other thing is Envision Studio, and there's a couple of others. Some are just web based, but I haven't really used too many web based design tools. I'm sort of old school with just like getting in Photoshop or illustrator and and working something out. And that makes me wonder, like I just started a new job about six or seven months ago and Mm -hmm. it's very Mac focused and it's design work. And so I'll get design deliverables and it's a sketch file. And I'm like, Oh, I'm on, I'm on windows. Uh And they're like, Oh, well you really should get on Mac, which is not just as easy as like flipping a switch to be like, okay, you can switch from windows, especially when like all of my design, I want to say all of my design knowledge, but certainly like using the tools and things, I'm more used to doing it in Windows than Mac. What I hope to start seeing is that the tools become a bit more platform agnostic. I mean, there's the whole thing about designers should only be using Macs and I get that whole stereotype, but like, I also feel like that's very much a Western world stereotype. I mean, certainly when I talk to designers that are in Europe or, you know, in Africa or something, they're not always on Macs. Windows is yeah. still used in a lot of places. And so particularly when those design cultures tend to look towards the West for innovation and sort of what's the next thing that they should be doing, it can be kind of dangerous to just push forth this, this so I want to say simple, this single narrative of like you should only be using these tools on this OS and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I would hope to see that kind of become more democratized in the future. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, maybe it's even about access. Of course, in, I think in the, in the States we have more, more options and more access, but I'm not sure that in other countries, you know, the culture around that might be different, but what has made you stay with Microsoft? I just like it. Yeah. And you're comfortable I mean, <laughs> and you probably, work super, you probably work super fast in it. And you're like, this is great. I'm I'm good. I'm going to stay right here. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I mean, it's not like I don't have like, I mean, so the computer I'm on is a, it's a PC, but like I've also got an iPad mini that's like mounted to my desk where I do some stuff on and I've got an iPad pro that I do some things on. So I'm not completely outside of, you know, the Mac OS, yeah. or I guess iOS, whatever. I'm not completely outside of that realm, but I also don't use those tools specifically for design. If anything, they kind of augment what I might be doing on Windows. So I might, and Adobe yeah. has been great about this. You know, I'll like sketch something in one of the Adobe tools and I can save it to my library and then bring it up in Windows and like finish it off in Illustrator, finish it off in Photoshop. So it's
1: nice. it has so like that kind of like thinking,
0: yeah, you kind of have to, I feel like yeah. with, with some stuff. But yeah, I know Sketch is still something that a lot of people are using and I've seen people use it. It seems to be more of kind of a UX tool, but I think folks are trying to turn it into Photoshop, which good luck with that. Not saying that it's not possible, but even with Photoshop, I mean, it does so many things. And I, I maybe use like I don't know, like a hundredth of what Photoshop can actually do. You yeah, know, I agree. I feel like so. I'm the same too. Yeah. <laughs> do you have yeah. like a, a dream project or anything that you'd love to work on? A dream project.
1: Oh, no. huh? Hmm. You know, I feel like I've got a lot of dream projects already that have happened in my life. I'm pretty thankful for them. I just hope they keep happening.
0: Oh, <laughs> nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think no. Well,
0: I think you're the first person I've asked that that has said no.
1: <laughs> I think I've got a lot of dream projects. I don't know.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, think,
1: I feel pretty. I feel pretty satisfied, but I'm always open to new challenges. You know. Of course. Yeah. I'm not saying I've mastered anything at all. So I'm I'm open to a lot of new fun projects.
0: Is there anything specifically like this year that you want to accomplish?
1: Um, this year, let's see, we have half of the year left.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't have a good answer for that. No,
0: I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there, is there anything that you're like really excited about at the moment?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Let's see. I'm excited about, of course, in my work at Everytown, figuring out how we communicate with our audience about just like the great data around gun violence in America to make people more aware of how it's affecting everyone. I think data visualization is so fun as a, as a designer, you know, and how to dissect that stuff and kind of get into a researcher's kind of mind. And I I think sometimes some of the, the writing can be so absolute, but also trying to, to get out of that and be like, okay, so if this is a stat, does it mean that X, Y, and Z will happen in 10 years or, or something like that? So kind of trying to figure out ways to talk to people and I think make content even more human is exciting. So that's something that's going on right now. And also we have a wonderful design intern working with us on our team at the moment. And I'm just excited to hear her perspective as a student and a student who um, now has a voice in the gun violence prevention movement. And just to learn about how that affects her as well as some of the other interns that are with us. And, you know, what speaks to them and how they feel heard. So,
0: yeah. Do you have any advice that has stuck with you over the years as you've gone through your design journey?
1: One thing my mom told me, (laughs) but I had to write this down recently. So I'm remembering it. My mom said, always charge someone for your work, even if it's $20. <laughs> that, was, that was maybe one thing, you know? But I, I actually think that if dissecting that really, it's like, think about work that is of value. Think about if you're working with, say, a client or a partner, do they value what you're bringing to the table? And it might not always be money, but like, is do they value your work and your perspective? And if not, don't do it. But if they do, great.
0: Shout out to mom for putting that... <laughs> that uh, that kernel of truth like always know your yeah. value that's what's up yeah exactly where do you see yourself in the next 5 years what kind of work would you like to be doing
1: i would say i really am enjoying the spaces that i'm in right now you know i think just like designing for progressive organizations is a is like my sweet spot i really enjoy it i really enjoy helping other people who maybe are creating these orgs, push their message forward, look professional, sound good, look good. You know, that is really um, rewarding for me. And I, I like that area. And I also feel like it's, it's a bit untapped fully. Mm -hmm. So I would say I'm, I'm hoping I can continue on doing that type of work. You know, that's the stuff I really love, but like also I'd say last, was it last summer? Last summer, like, you know, I have friends who are opening up businesses or everyone's just trying out new things. I think it's just like where everyone is in their life. They've had maybe their career for 10, 15 years and now they're trying different things or, or pushing things forward more aggressively. Um, but my friends opened up an ice cream shop here in Harlem and like I worked on the branding uh, for that. So that was really rewarding too, you know, just like something that I think is, in the community that I live in and being able to do design work for that was pretty awesome. And with people that I care about and, and their kind of business.
0: People always want ice cream. That's for sure.
1: They do. I had some yesterday. It was great.
0: What kind (laughs) kind was it?
1: Um, Well, actually this was a flavor that was supposed to be called horchata and My friend, Nick, who owns it, him and his wife, Petrushka, but Nick was like, telling me, so I've been vegan for the last year, but they have some vegan options. And so he's like, I have this forchata ice cream. It's made of rice milk. And he's like, I'm not sure about it. Um, I tried the other vegan flavors, but I was like, Nick, let me just try the horchata. He didn't have it like out cause he wasn't sure that he, he liked it completely to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I tried it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Nick, this is good. And I was like, and you know what? <laughs> he was like, he didn't know that the thought the texture might be weird. And I was like, this is like a snickerdoodle. I was like, I love snickerdoodles. And yeah. he goes, you know what? I think maybe we just need to call it that and go with it. I'm like, this is, was amazing. So I had snickerdoodle ice cream.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yesterday. And it
1: was, it was very, very good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online?
1: Yeah. I would say my website is probably the best. Just dot com.
0: All right. Well, (laughs) Ida thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you really for kind of just sharing your perspective, not just on what it was like, you know, kind of working for, the Hillary campaign, which I think is something that a lot of people might have been interested in, but also just really, you know, putting forth the narrative that, you know, the impact that designers can have on the world is great. Even if you're at an agency, if you're working on a political campaign, even the work that you're doing with Everytown, I think you are a prime example of someone that's using their design knowledge, you know, for the greater good. And so I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and talking about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Ida Woldemichael and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Ida and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. With a community of over 2 billion people, the design team at Facebook works on a diverse range of problems. Everything Facebook designs is done at scale, so research, content strategy, data, and other factors are a huge part of how they work. Sound interesting? Then learn more about Facebook design and what they do at facebook.com forward slash design. Glitch is a friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Now, if you've seen Glitch, you might think it looks like a toy, but let me tell you, it's not. It runs on the exact same infrastructure and engine that the best developers in the world use to run their apps. And it's all built around a friendly community of coders, designers, developers, artists, activists, and educators. Basically, people just like you. So, get started on making something awesome today at Glitch.com. Google Design is a cooperative effort led by designers, writers, and developers at Google. They work across teams to publish original content, produce great events, and foster creative and educational partnerships that advance design and technology. For more information on news, design resources, and their design podcasts, check them out at design.google. MailChimp is the world's largest marketing automation platform. They support millions of customers from small e-commerce shops to big online retailers, and they support the creative community as well. MailChimp really gives you the marketing tools to be yourself on a bigger stage. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, then please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute or two. It helps more people learn about the show, not just here in the U.S., but internationally as well. Um, It also helps the show out by bumping us up in the rankings for design podcasts. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to hear next week's episode a little bit early, then you should become our patron over at Patreon. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews and articles, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.